You could see the fear in its eyes. A Canadian goose, you know the kind. They fly in the V and honk like a Volkswagen, just sitting in the middle of the Pennsylvania Turnpike, right on the dotted lines between lanes, alive, but staying very still, its long black neck standing straight up. As I drove past, I could see its eyes, swollen with terror, knowing that the end was likely on its way. Why are you stuck there, friend? Are you injured? Depressed? I have known that place. Whether upset about a relationship or hair loss or the fact that your wife left the window open and now your salt lamp is a crusty puddle by your favorite chair, it's hard to stand up, take flight, take a step out of sadness. I recently flipped on a snowmobile. Frozen by fear and unable to see, I just accelerated until the great machine rolled over and skidded to a stop in the snow. Why did I do that? How do we get ourselves into these moments of dangerous stasis? But more importantly, how do we move past them? In my case, I remembered how much I spent on the Snowmobile Extreme Glacier experience and thought, crap, I better see the top of this friggin' mountain. I don't know what happened to that goose, but I hope it found some reason to go on and get out of the way. I hope it reached out with a desperate honk and some other goose came along and righted his wings and they both flew off together and did some vigorous lovemaking down by the pond. I always hope for a happy ending, especially for Canadians. Friends, let's move past fear and open up that portal that leads us to the Deep Night. A comforting presence, a gravity blanket for your ear holes, and your guide through this next hour of regrets and revelations that we call the Deep Night. We come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus, and oh, there is so much to tell you about my travels to Iceland and the mystic encounters with the wee people and the even wee-ear horses they have there. Everyone looks like Steve Zahn on his day off in Iceland. We ate exotic foods and had some smoked fish sandwiches and saw quite a few geysers erupting. I also met a woman from London who reminded me that some people need yoga, like they're horrible, angry monsters, and yoga is their whole identity. Anyway, we have someone who is not a monster on the show for you today, and I can't wait to bring you our conversation. Uh, first, a reminder that our season finale is coming up. We're closing out the season with a live show on Wednesday, May 15th, 8 p.m. at The Slipper Room with Griffin Newman from The Tick, Emmy Blotnick, who uh, making a return appearance on this show, great stand-up, and uh, Lindsay Broad, an actor on In the Dark, hot new show, and uh, the performer and rapper Samus, who is just brilliant. I'm excited that she's going to join us, and we'll have Cornelius Loy uh, on the theremin and dance from the Deep Night Dancers with a very special guest, 
uh, joining them. So get tickets. They're still available. All the information is at deepnightshow.com. I was so pleased that I got a chance to talk with my guest today, comedian Brian Yang. On this episode, oh, we got to get into a lot of things that I don't often get to talk about, including my embarrassingly deep knowledge of the Marvel Space Universe. And, oh, I just remembered I wanted to talk with Brian about something, and it had to do with the Marvel Handbook and my discovering Rocket Raccoon in that tome when I was younger and thinking, this guy should have his own show. And now look at him, all grown up, a big star of the universe. I tell you, I can spot talent early. It's a gift. So Brian, yes, Brian grew up out west and then moved east. That's what some people do, isn't it? And I was inspired by his stick-with-itness, even though that meant he probably made some poor choices early on. A little bit more about Brian. In 2013, BuzzFeed named him one of the top comedians you should be paying attention to. Well, okay. He's been out to the Bridgetown Comedy Festival, Limestone Comedy Festival, all the great festivals. In 2016, he was a semifinalist in the stand-up NBC showcase. Most recently, Brian was named to the 2018 class of the NBC Late Night Writers Workshop. That's a big deal. And he was once again a semifinalist in the stand-up NBC showcase and performed at the New York Comedy Festival. I did that too, Brian. What fun. Well, uh, let's go now. Let's just go now to my conversation with Brian Yang. Brian Yang, welcome to the Deep Night. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's great to have you here. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Oh, that's what I like to hear. Uh, there's lots happening in the world, as ever. This is, I don't usually do current events, but some things have happened, and I thought, oh, i got to talk about them. <laughs> sure. uh, we just had the big battle on Game of Thrones. Yes. Yep. We got spring is here, and uh, I'm riled up about a very sad hallway. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I all want, equally important. All equally important <laughs> in the uh, sort of zeitgeist. It's all out yes. there. Uh, and I want to talk about you, sure. Brian, and learn more about you. But first, do you do a lot of international travel? Uh, no, I'll be going out of the country, aside from Canada, for the first time in August. Oh, well, where'd you go in Canada? Um, on the West Coast. So I'm originally from California, so yes. I've been to uh, Vancouver. Lovely. Yeah, City so. of glass. That's right. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> I think that's sure, what they yeah, say. Yeah. That's what I call it, at least. <laughs> uh, and what are you gonna, where are you going to be going this time? Ireland. Ireland. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. Never been. Very excited. <laughs> that's great. And that'll be your first time that's there. That's right. And it'll be very green, I imagine. I think so. That's what they say about that yeah, place. Yeah, I just saw The Ferryman yeah. on Broadway yeah. to prepare. <laughs> so I felt like I spent three hours in Ireland. So I'll be ready to go in August. That's great. Yeah. Well, that's, And you're going to do some comedy. No, uh, we're going for a wedding. My wife and I have friends getting married. Lovely. So we'll just be checking it out for a week before and yeah. then going to the wedding and then coming Boy, back. Boy, that's nice. Do you like yeah. uh, destination weddings? Um, uh, This is our first one. So there's nothing to complain about. This one's cool. Yeah, <laughs> because it's somewhere we want to go. Right. Um, I know some people get married like in Australia, and that sounds yeah terrible. <laughs> some people get married in South Jersey, which is even worse. <laughs> but the drive is not as bad. No, I'd yeah, say, sure. Yeah, but it's still where you're driving. Right. The destination sometimes it's not always about the journey. 
correct. Brian. Well, uh, I was at a spiritual retreat and lava soap making workshop in Reykjavik. Of course. Over in Iceland. And you've never been there. No. No. Because uh, it's not Canada. Correct. <laughs> 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 well, it, it was magical. I, I rolled a, a snowmobile over there, and I soaked in a lagoon, and I rode a little little horse, because that's what they have <laughs> sure, there. Yeah. He thought he was a stallion, which was adorable. <laughs> but the point is, you come back from being abroad, and you'll experience this. You're going to leave from JFK? Correct, yes. Yeah, okay. So when you come back, what's the airline? Um, I think it'll be Aer Lingus. Ah, yeah, yeah, that one. And we won't talk about what that sounds no, like. No, no. Uh, <laughs> It's a family podcast. <laughs> that's a family podcast. So, and I don't want to get, you know, sometimes I get accused of being a little Andy Rooney. You sure. You know, complain about something. I also don't want to be Rooney Mara. But either way, uh, uh, there have to be some changes in the way that we treat people coming back from abroad, those visiting our country for the first time. Because what happens is, you, you get, this is supposed to be the greatest city in the world. Truly. Right? That's what they say. New York. Greatest city in the world. Greatest Everyone city in the world. Then Sacramento. Yeah, <laughs> in that order. Close number two. What happens is you get put into a, a very hot hallway and led into a basement full of angry people, which I will give you is an apt metaphor for being in New York City. It's a great uh, way to slowly acclimate you to New York, for sure. <laughs> That's right. Deny you bathroom privileges. <laughs> yeah. No windows. It's it's horrible. And we should do better, is what I'm saying, Brian. We I should, agree. They, they have a little sign there. It says, uh, you know, it could. It, they should have a little sign that says one hour from this point or something. The mm-hmm. only sign they do have, one of these vinyl deals you could print out at like a FedEx Kinko's sure, combo. Course. Yeah. And it's just like a fuzzy JPEG of an eagle. And <laughs> it says, welcome the high to resolution. A, they couldn't printer? do a high. Uh, come uh, on, what do you need? Uh, what do you need? 350 uh, DPI <laughs> on that or something? It got me upset. The sure. grommets. A LaGuardia, you got an LED sign. LaGuardia is rough too, though. LaGuardia is rough. LaGuardia was the first airport I flew into the first time I came to New York. And how and, did you feel? How well, did it make you feel? Coming from Sacramento, you know, it's not a big city. So no. you're like, I'm flying to New York. I can't wait. It's everything I've seen in movies and TV. Yes. You yes. fly into LaGuardia and you feel like you time traveled back to the 80s because <laughs> yes. it looks like an airport. That's like 30 years behind the time. Sacramento, our airport's brand new. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Floor to ceiling, glass windows. Ooh. Uh, it's it's beautiful. We have a tram. LaGuardia, no tram. It's no tram. Bas- it looks like a dilapidated mall. It from looks the 80s. like they built a model of an airport. Correct. And they put it on a shelf. Yes. Around 82. <laughs> yeah. Just let it collect dust and then pulled it out again. Yeah. Joe Biden, who has been canceled. Uh, famously called LaGuardia a third world country yes. and caught flack for it. But yeah. I 100%, that's the one political stance I'll agree with Joe Biden on. <laughs> LaGuardia is a third world country. Well, it, it has come up, though, I will say. Yeah, a little bit. It, it has come yes. up a little bit better. And uh, once they figure out the maze that you have to get into. It's just in a terrible spot it's of the bad, city. It's in a bad spot. Yeah, how do you expand that little corner of Queens? It's tough. That's the other thing. Once yeah. you fly in, you're in Queens. Yeah, exactly. What are you supposed to do? You know what? Uh, do you get riled up about things, though? Oh, sure. sure yeah. you do. I don't think you can do comedy without being, uh, <laughs> you know, riled up most of the time. Yeah. You know? Things get stuck in your craw. That's right. Anything yeah. right now that's really bugging you? Oh, man, so much. Uh, I guess there's, uh, man, what's going on? Uh, there seems to be like a push. For uh, diversity in um, entertainment, yes. But if sometimes it's being a 
person of color, a divert quote diverse person. Yes. It feels like sometimes it's just a thing that's in vogue and maybe it'll pass and it's not done in earnest sometimes. Mm. So, you know, and then also you want to be recognized for your talent, just not because you fill right. a check mark yes. on a piece of paper. So, you know, many different feelings. You don't want to be a token exactly. in this situation. Right, right. Yeah, just like But there to... also should be affirmative action there because be. the underrepresentation that's occurred over decades. But so so it's a very complex thing. I my emotions change wildly on this <laughs> topic. Well, do you think we could uh, what could we just bring in the queer eye uh, team? And they could just take care of this stuff? <laughs> I think that's exactly right. And then sometimes you feel even with the Queer Eye team and stuff, like, are they filling a role that's like a palatable <laughs> group of gay men for the mainstream, you know? so Because, right. you know, there's certain members of the Queer Eye squad that people are like, oh, they're not liberal enough and they're too conservative. And so, yeah, it's very... I don't know. I think they're very palatable. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would elect them president. Oh, I agree. I started to think, why don't we just have a group? Well, why not? <laughs> Although you've been in some of these uh, writers' rooms or that kind of thing, you know that a group dynamic <laughs> usually you get, can, be, uh, can be tricky. It gets watered down to the worst idea, <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> and right. no one gets But gets there you got everybody has their specialty. Click, 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 True. and just do it. One person could, I mean, that's supposedly how it's supposed to happen with it the is. cabinet I, members. I joked there should be a boy president for boys and a girl president for girls. <laughs> I tweeted that one time. So. Oh, there's, but the, but gender's a spectrum, too. It, that's correct. So You'd have to have representation exactly, all through there. binary president. That's right. Or, yes. That's what I'd like to see. Well, it's tough to look at history and see that older white men have been making laws. Specifically now, we look at, like, why are these guys making laws for women? Yep. And it's tough because they don't understand the female anatomy in any way. Nope. Uh, so I was stuff. just in Philadelphia, you know, where the Constitution and all that Correct. stuff came together. Yeah. And uh, uh, you, you think, what would it be like if we just had a more a, a greater representation in those early conversations? Oh. Why this country would be fantastic. Right. I mean, you know, people get on you for saying, well, you don't think it's great. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. You can't. I criticize. don't think it's great. No, it's. I mean, <laughs> look how we're treating people that come into Laguardia. <laughs> exactly. That's not the greatest city or country in the world. And all we need is like that's not even legislation. We just need to throw a couple bucks their way. Just put a window in. <laughs> exactly. Get a graphic designer. Oh, it's so bad. Can we get an Epson printer at JFK? That's, <laughs> that's all we're asking for. Couldn't we? I mean, people go the GoFundMe. Let's do a GoFundMe. <laughs> Get a we'll bet. start it on this podcast. That's right. Go fund me for JFK. <laughs> gonna do it. I'm little gonna... by little, it snowballs. Yeah. You that's... start with the printer, then you get a window. That's right. Then maybe a restroom. Exactly. I don't know. So how long were you in holding? Did you at least an hour? Oh, and you don't know. And that was for U.S. passports. Right. Oh, that's not the people goodness. from coming from wherever. Right, right, right. They have to wait because they're line. going. They're being vetted sometimes as well, right? The so. whole deal, and you know what they got? It's like when you go to the. A DMV or Kmart or one of these places, two people working. <laughs> of course, of course, two people. I couldn't imagine what it was like during the shutdown when there was like no TSA. Yeah, it was oh. pretty brief though. Okay. I mean, not for the people waiting sure, in sure. line. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I schedule around that. <laughs> well, I just one more thing about Queer Eye and getting riled up. I'm a little irked, and God bless them. Okay, I want all the success for all of them. But the fact that Jonathan has pivoted to being a stand-up. Yeah, a little. What do you think about that? Um, 
I want I love his success and I only Same. want success for people. I try to not be jealous. You want to try something, go ahead and try something. Yes. But the fact that then it's like selling out Carnegie Hall. Yeah. I just I'm just as somebody with 20 years in, I feel like eh. I agree. I started <laughs> okay. when I was 18. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm 10 years in now. Yeah. And uh it's I don't begrudge him because they draw, right? Like, people sure. come to see them. The part that's rough is that he brings Anthony along with him sometimes, too. <laughs> right. And on the show, Anthony, he is eye candy. He's a very good-looking man. Yep. But he's also uh, brings nothing to the table. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bobby is the one doing all the heavy Boy, lifting. Bobby, Bobby and Tan yeah. are both, you know, so tough. Not sure what Karamo really does. It seems like he just asks you very personal questions and makes you cry, which is a good function yeah. for the show. But Bobby and Tan are doing the heavy lifting. Jonathan, you need because of the charisma. Anthony, uh, black hole of charisma or <laughs> talent. But it is rough because you know that they didn't come up in the traditional stand-up sense of open micing yes. and opening for terrible comics on the road. And but you know they're popular, so you can't begrudge them of that. No, absolutely not. And I don't mean to be too harsh on the guy. And plush. He brings along a lot of great comedians with him. Yes, who, exactly. Who have paid their dues, yes. certainly, and are great. And if that amplifies their voices, uh, the more people that can see Michelle Buteau, right. uh, by, by all means. Yeah, she's incredible. <laughs> she's I, I incredible. He's performed with like Joel Kim Booster, who's super yeah. funny. Yep. So, yeah, he is, I think he knows who good comedians are. Right. So that's cool. That's to good. See. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, are you a Game of Thrones fan? Oh, we yeah, big time. It. So you watched this thing. I did. And uh, some people don't like the show. Yeah, so uh, this weekend was like a big pop cultural event because yes. Avengers came out. Yeah, and which uh, I haven't seen. Don't tell oh, me. Oh, I won't. I won't talk about. But I'll talk about it in a general sense of <laughs> these big pop cultural yes. events. Uh, a couple of weeks ago was Coachella. Oh yes, and I just don't like people who are like. Oh, I don't like Coachella. I don't like Game of Thrones. I don't like Avengers. It's like I don't like people whose personality. Oh, here's something that's stuck in my craw. Here we go. You got <laughs> oh, me going. Yeah, I knew people, it. People I knew it. Who are like I don't like popular culture. What? Then what are you like? Who are you? I don't like this person whose whole personality is built around the, the absence of culture or the absence of popular culture. Like I only like things no one's heard about or things I discover on my own. It's like. First of all, all these things, music comes from the soul. Uh, Game of Thrones and the Avengers come from books. Yeah. You know, an old, an old Jewish man oppressed in the <laughs> '60s came up with these stories. To it's an allegory to racism and, and uh, civil rights. And Game of Thrones is like this weird dude from New Jersey who wanted to create an American <laughs> mythology. Like it's cool. The 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 DNA of this stuff is very cool and interesting. And yes, it has become super popular and very commercially successful over the last 10 years or so. Yeah. But yeah, it's really, uh, I just hate on Twitter when I see people like, oh, I don't watch Game of Thrones. Oh, you guys like Avengers? Like, uh, like, come on, man. Just yeah. have a little fun. Can we have a little fun? <laughs> That's right. You let's know? let's have a shared experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's becoming more rare as, um, you know, Disney just announced Disney Plus. Uh, Hulu has shows. Like, Pop culture is becoming so splintered. Yes. And Game of Thrones and Avengers feel like the last vestiges of like the big <laughs> shared experiences that we had back in the 70s and 80s where like everyone saw Star Wars. Right. Everyone watched certain shows like, I don't know, Dallas or whatever that was on. That, like, that was a good one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and now that's going away a little bit because yeah. pop culture is becoming so niche. You can find exactly what you want on your streaming service of choice. So I think these... Big events are cool, and and those folks they they there are communities 
uh, of them. Here's what I'm saying. In high school, there would be like kids that are like, well, I, I don't like any music that gets popular. Right. I only like some kind of weird underground angsty thing. Mm-hmm. Well, now that there's a whole – you can reach out to those other people and right. fi- find them. So your little sacred thing is now out there with yeah. everybody else. So you are participating in something that is more popular than – it's not just you, in other words. Yeah. <laughs> I, you weren't the only person to go into Sam Goody and buy that CD. No, it, there's like – even if it's not hugely popular, there is like a little community around that, yes. right? Like, and whatever cool hipster band you're into, I'm pretty sure Urban Outfitters co-opted it, <laughs> and there's a T-shirt of yes. that band being sold in a mall somewhere, right? Yep. Like, the underground stuff is really cool. Like, I, I'm a huge fan of underground hip hop, but I don't begrudge certain artists when they become really popular and blow because, like, that's cool. Isn't that kind of what you want? Like, your cool thing to be discovered by as many people as possible yes when it gets diluted and commercialized i guess that's tough but i don't feel that that's happened so much with game of thrones or avengers they've been pretty true to what they began as you know right um and who knew that these things i as a kid in the 90s i would never imagine that fantasy and comic books would become this popular yes well i think you had some kind of post that said about t-shirts that you wore <laughs> yes i knew i got and, ready to get all my shirts in elementary and middle school were superheroes pokemon comic books yeah and yeah i would get merciless, mercilessly ridiculed but i think now in 2019 uh like we're in meta culture where it's like cool to be very open with the things you like. I think in the 90s, I just watched Jonah Hill's movie Mid-90s, uh-huh. and a big theme of that movie was like hiding yourself. Like, mm. don't be open with who you are. Uh, there's a scene where one of the kids thanks another kid for doing something nice for him, and the kid says, don't say thank you, that's gay. And it's like, oh, that was like so 90s, like hide yourself. Yep. And to be, it was like very grungy and kind of like a weird time. But in 2019, it's all about like be open with you who you are. Uh, be accepting of it, no judgments, right? And I think it's cool now if a kid wore a superhero shirt, you'd be like, oh, I also like that stuff. You know? Right. Well, I still won't wear a T-shirt that has anything on it. <laughs> really? <laughs> I just, I don't, or a hat that has a, a baseball team, uh-huh. right? I don't want anything, mostly because I don't want somebody to talk to me about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I totally understand that, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I don't want to be judged. For, I still feel that. Right, yeah. It's a real thing, what you're saying, uh, and something that uh, left a mark on me, for sure. sure. Uh-huh. I wouldn't go out in a Spider-Man t-shirt. No, not me. So that's what I felt Maybe sad about. Maybe it's fine. I'm scarred by that because I, I would want to, yes. but I don't anymore because yeah. of the ridicule I face as a child. Yeah. <laughs> And so now I have judgments of like when I see an adult in a Spider-Man shirt that I would want to wear. Right. I'm like, oh, look at this guy. What right. is he doing? <laughs> Sometimes I see a fella in a Green Lantern shirt, and I think that looks good. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good logo. We can't do it, and we're too emotionally damaged. <laughs> I'm too damaged yeah. from it. It's true. Well, just back to the the Game of Thrones quickly, uh, uh, because you know, you, often I think it splits within couples where people won't watch it. You might be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't care for it. I mean, it's too violent. They don't sure. like some people don't like dragons. No, have you encountered that? Uh, there are like as soon as people. So I'm a anti fantasy person as well. But what drew yes. me into Game of Thrones was there were so many characters in the show who hated fantasy. They're like, "There's no magic in the world." I'm like, "Oh, I like <laughs> this take on fantasy where people in the fantasy think it's fake. Like that's interesting. I've right. never seen anything like that before. So that's what actually got me into Game of Thrones. I see. 
So you're not excited when the dragons show up. I am now. I'm fully into the show. <laughs> okay, I love okay. the idea because Lord of the Rings, everyone accepts the fantasy in the in the movie. Right. They're like dragons are real. I see. Yeah. Uh, orcs are real, you know, um, sorcerers are real. But in Game of Thrones, I remember in the first season, there were several, I mean, the Starks were like, oh, I don't know if dragons existed. It seems like it was a thing that yeah. people made up. And there were macers like, ah, oh, there's no magic in the world. And then slowly it's revealed that there is. And I, I feel like a connection to that because that feels very real. Sure. You know, so. Even the red woman and all that. Right. It's like, really? <laughs> yeah. Person of light? I don't think so. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I like magic. Mm-hmm. I like dragons. I like sneaky assassins. Sure. And I like cold climates. So it checks all those boxes. <laughs> all those boxes. The only thing I don't like are zombies. Oh yes, there are zombies. Not a zombie guy. Yeah, they've been. It zombies have oversaturated the market for sure. Too many. Yeah. Too many. It was nice when it would like show up once on a Scooby Doo episode. Sure. And be like, oh, there's a zombie. Everything's a zombie now. But yeah, and then mountains of them and climbing and yeah. the noise that they make. Ooh. And these are fast zombies. They were fast. Was, usually I like the slow variety. <laughs> yeah. But zombies that can run. Not too. great in a fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very <laughs> rough stuff. <laughs> They're almost more reanimated, just corpses. Yeah, they refer to them as like. Dead Men or the White yeah. Walker. So there you go. But they're technically zombies. Sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, oh, but with the with the comic book stuff that you were talking yeah. about, when you know, did you have a team that was like your your team? Big X Men. X Men was yeah, the yeah. one. More Marvel than DC. Uh, yeah. So overall, more Marvel, and then so the only DC. I, I'm X Men and Batman because yeah. of in the '90s we had Batman the animated series. Yes. Um, on I think what was the WB channel, and then X-Men on Fox. So those were like two big cartoons I loved. <laughs> yeah. And then I would save any money I could scrounge up to buy those comic books. Yeah. Yeah. And then definitely got way more into Marvel stuff, but always kept up with Batman. Yeah. 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 And that seems, uh, in both cases, to have the same kind of healthy skepticism in both of those yeah. uh, characters. Because certainly Batman isn't a big fan of magic. Right. Or, <laughs> or, <laughs> the best Batman stories, I think, are the the realistic ones where... It's always tough when he's with the Justice League and they're in space. Yeah. Because it's like he can't do much. Yep. <laughs> Wonder Woman is like a god. Superman's yep. a god. Green yep. Lantern's like this space ranger. Yep. And Batman's kind of just like sitting in the spaceship like, uh, I'll look at the computer. <laughs> but I love when he's in Gotham figuring out like a very real gritty crime. That's yep. the best stuff. Yep. And then X-Men is so like... You know, it's an allegory of civil rights. So I love. They also go into space sometimes, and those are <laughs> my my least favorite stories. But I love when they're like fighting the government. You know, that's the best oh, stuff yeah. for for mutant recognition. Exactly. Or yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not a fan of the Shi'ar. No. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever those folks exactly. are called. That is great. The Shi'ar yeah. Empire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I believe yeah. Professor X marries the Empress. Uh, yeah. At one point. Corsair. Yes, that's right. Is he like his father or something? That Corsair, I think, is Cyclops's. Is that dad. how it worked? <laughs> and then Professor X marries the Empress to yeah. bring peace to Leandra. the Leandra. Yes, because oh, I think the Shi'ar wants to destroy <laughs> Earth, and then that. But then he is like the most powerful mutant, and they get married, and yep. I think that is like what brings peace about. Yeah. Thank goodness. Oh, thank God. Professor X taking one for the team, yeah. I feel like he's taken a few for the team has, yeah. over the years. But um yeah, well that was such a such a that's a vast universe of things too, isn't it? Oh. Soap opera for boys. 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, for for kids. I don't mean just for boys. <laughs> it's for anybody. Of course, there's readers of all kinds. For sure. Yes. And X Men really, especially, appeals to a lot of people. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> Went down a dark hole thinking about all that. We did. Uh, well, just yes. It's all tied together. Though. Yeah, I like the pre X Men, the Doom Patrol. Oh, I'm not aware of the Doom Patrol. You're not aware well, of. I'm them. gonna get into this now. Oh, it was I'll before. Some people say that you know old Stan. Uh, well, that happened a it. lot back then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah, you got the guy in the wheelchair, the chief. Hmm. You got a robot man, a lady that can stretch, and a guy who's uh, got a negative spirit in him. Okay. Oh, it's great. Okay, I'm going to get into the It's great. Control. Go back to the early okay. ones because okay. they're really weird. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the weirdest team you'll ever find. And this was like 50s? No, I think they came out like 60s, okay, yeah, 60s, okay. 70s, I'm this towards out. the end, so they're real groovy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, the it's colors of those old books are like so... Gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, really cool They're stuff. gorgeous. I have, and now there's a show on the DC that's right. universe thing, Okay, that's And it's them. great. Okay. I'm, I'm telling you, out. my plug for that TV show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, and do you still have the comics? Do you still buy them? Oh, I just moved from a story to Harlem. Oh. And uh, my wife and I almost died getting my co- so we had a basement. Our room was in a basement, and Lovely. we almost died pulling my comic books out of that basement <laughs> to the first floor. And I was like, "This is the dumbest hobby anyone could have in New York." Because you know, if we lived anywhere else, you would just get a mover and they would just haul it off in the truck. But we're like, "I'm dragging." It, it had to have been two hundred pounds worth of comic books. Yeah, and we got them. We drag. I I don't know how we dragged them up the stairs to the first floor. It was insane. It's so I still buy them. Thirty one year old man. I go every Tuesday. Yeah, I'm still buying them. I put them in the sleeves, you know, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I just look sleeves. at them. I I don't know. I love every. I love the smell of a comic book shop. I love how they look in the sleeves. I yeah. just like alphabetizing them by like. Okay, these are the X Men books. These are the Spider Man books, and yeah, it's an insane. I'm I'm a collector of things. So yeah. It's an insane. Well, I was thing. at a I was at a swap meet out there in Palm Springs just oh, before Coachella, sure. and uh, my gosh, I was it, it was everything in my. I was glad I didn't have cash. It was one of those things yeah. where you're like, it's a cash only deal. Uh-huh. I'm not even going to mess with getting cash out before I go because if I had cash in my pocket, guess what? You're buying you know, stuff. I'm buying because uh, I love the, spirits. I love stuff like the that. old covers. I just am oh, such a sucker yeah. for it. We had a place, uh, I grew up in the suburbs of Sacramento. We had a place called Denio's Flea Market. Yeah. It's this huge parking lot of just like old video game, anything you can imagine they had. Yes. Like old vintage, uh, you know, starter jackets, N64 stuff, comic books, anything you could think of. And I would just walk around there like for days just <laughs> looking at all the vintage and old comic books and video games. It's heaven. Yeah. It's heaven. That was a, a social thing for you to do. Just go to the flea market. Yeah. It, it, so, like, Roseville is very suburban and there's not much to do. You know, like in high yeah. school, the big thing we do on Friday nights is like hang out in the Taco Bell parking lot. So, it's one of those cities, right? <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. If you saw the movie Lady Bird, it's very much like that. There's a All scene right, in Lady Bird where they hang out in a parking lot and it's like, Greta Gerwig, did you read my diary? This is literally <laughs> what I did. The movie takes place in Sacramento. They hang out in a parking lot. I'm like, this is my childhood. Yeah. Um, and so the big thing on Saturdays would be to go to the flea market because it was like a giant outdoor mall. And they had food. And sometimes there'd be music. So it was like a thing people did. Yeah. And was your it, family involved in it or was it a thing for you to go Yeah, family. So I started going with my family in the beginning. 
And then when I started dating my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, I took her to denial. Sure. I'm like, look at this. Look at this place. It's it's heaven. Welcome to my world. Yes, exactly. And she's on board? She was on board, yeah. Not her favorite thing to do in the world, but like an interesting experience, I think. For she her. saw that it meant something to you. Exactly, yeah. And uh, she's also from that uh, part of the world? Yeah, she's, so we went to the same high school. Whoa. But we, yeah, we've known each other since middle school. Whoa. And then started dating after college. Man. But we knew each other. Basically, we calculated we've known each other more than half our lives. At this Did you point. date other people? Yeah. So, okay. like, in high school <laughs> and in college. And then we were always friends yes. since middle school and always had the same group of friends. But it was like she moved back home and I was home. And then we were like, oh, let's hang out. And we were friends. And then it progressed into a romantic relationship. And then we got married two years ago. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah, what is it like to have that much history with somebody? It's interesting. We talk about it all the time. We've known each other so long, and we have like stories of before we were together, and we were just friends. And I was, she was really popular. She was a cheerleader, and I was like a nerd. So I was like, "You were a bully." I think like you bullied me in middle school. So I, we have jokes like that. Yeah. And she's like, "No, I wasn't a bully. I was nice to you." I was like, "Ah, oh, you were kind of nice, but you're kind of a bully too." So it's really interesting to know someone for that long. For Is she sure. less of a bully now? Yeah, she's. I'm more of the bully now. <laughs> oh, it's the tables geez. have turned. <laughs> <laughs> the nerds' revenge. Yes, that's right. <laughs> as they say. Well, uh, when did the comedy start, though? Um, I flunked out of college at 18. And that was where? Uh, at Chico State. Chico State. Yes. Yes. About 90 minutes north of Sacramento. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think Playboy Magazine's number one party school in 2002. Oh. So that was a big reputation this yeah, school had. Big, I went good from era. Uh, 2006 to 2007. You know what it was? People were so happy that there was nothing to do with Y2K. Yeah. Throughout the Bay Area. Oh, really? That celebration just went on for a number of years. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> we don't have to update anything. Right. Um, the grid survived. Yeah, we made it through. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I flunked out of school. And the whole time, uh, like junior and senior year of high school, I, I got really into comedy. I had been into comedy my whole life, but I really started studying it and watching it. That was like the heyday of the Comedy Central half hours with oh, right. Bill Burr, Patrice O'Neill, Jim Gaffigan, all those guys. That are like legendary comics now. And once I flunked out of school, I moved home and I was like, what do I really want to do with my life? And I just went to an open mic. And then I've been doing stand-up since I was 18. So right there in uh, Sacramento or so is where the- Yeah, they have a club in the like the tourist trap area called Old Sacramento. Yeah. And basically- I feel like that's where I've been. I I haven't- I don't think- It's like right on the water. Old town. Mm, it's like yeah. a boardwalk kind of kinda. place with cobblestone roads. If does that Maybe. ring a bell? Mm, kinda. Okay. Sacramento is a place that, in all honesty, I have avoided. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when he, most people don't even know it's the capital of California, and when I tell people I started comedy in Sacramento, they're like, "You can do comedy in Sacramento." It, it's so foreign to people because uh, it's not a well-known area of California at all. Like. Yep. It doesn't seem like a place anyone lives. People know the area because we have an NBA team. <laughs> I know team. people live there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in San Francisco oh, and, Los, you're for, okay. and Los Angeles. Okay. So I know about Sacramento. Sure. But it just had always been – I've only heard people speak in mm, yes. negative terms about for it. For sure. And uh, – I can't remember though if I had I I feel like there was some kind of wedding where we stayed there okay. and then drove up to some other place. You probably I don't drove remember. Through. 
Sacramento. I definitely maybe. have driven yeah. through it. Yes. I spent a lot of time in San Francisco. For a long time, it was my favorite city. Yep. Going back now, it's lost so much of its soul to the tech industry. It's yeah. a totally different place now. But I like the idea. You have a new favorite city? I I, <laughs> I guess New York. Like I, I really love San Francisco. Yeah. I spent a lot of my formative years there. Yes, because me too. I quit uh, college so young. And I would travel back and forth doing comedy from Sacramento to San Francisco. So I just spent a lot of, like, fun nights, like, roaming the streets, partying. And, yeah. You know, being, like, young and having fun in San Francisco. And uh, we went back uh, two years ago. And it's just so, I don't know, it's lost a lot of its, uh, what I loved about it. A lot of its, like, grit, I want to say. You know, it feels so... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like tech infused. There's now. still some blocks that are plenty okay. gray. <laughs> I should, I should <laughs> don't worry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you go south of market. Okay, you'll find some spots. All right, I need but to go. yes, it is a little icky. It yeah. is a little icky. There, there's that uh, element that's there. Um, are you doing comedy in the clubs there? Yeah. So um, where I started was um, Laughs Unlimited. Laughs Unlimited. <laughs> yes, which is like a two classic. F's. No, they spelt it the proper English way. I know. They missed a big opportunity. Big, big opportunity. Where is that? <laughs> That's right at Old Sacramento. Oh, Basically, okay. how they would get people in is there's a Holiday Inn um, right around the corner. Yeah. And they would give people who stayed there free tickets. So everyone who came in there would be like someone who got I free gotta tickets. got to get a gig like that. Yeah, yeah. So the audiences <laughs> could be rough because they weren't really there for comedy. <laughs> but that's where I started. And then there's a better club, Punchline, which is like where people you've heard of would Punchline Sacramento. Yes. And yeah. then their sister club is the Punchline in San Francisco. So yeah. it's split time between there. And then they have Cobbs, which is the big club that's yeah, yeah, also yeah. run by the Punchline. And so, yeah, I kind of just got into that loop of clubs. And uh, you, you were, uh, who were you working with in those early days when you went to San Francisco? If you uh, were at Cobbs well, or the see, Punchline who, SF? Um, I opened for uh, Joe Wong, who was like a uh, big name. Uh, like he started, uh, he he's done Letterman. He's like a huge in China now. He he moved to America, <laughs> yeah, and then moved back to China, where he's basically like the Letterman of China. He has a late <laughs> night. I think he has like the only late night show. Wow, there. Um, but he does comedy in English and in Chinese. And um, I want to say he's from Boston originally. <laughs> yeah, Chinese dude, and now That's he's back in China. Yeah, now he's back in China. Uh, I've always I, wanted to be like the something of some other place. Yeah, it's crazy, yeah. right? Like, because yeah. Letterman had him on. He he did Letterman twice, and then the second time he interviewed Joe, and because Joe had become like a late night host. Yeah, yeah it was really interesting oh. that he. Did, but I opened for him. He was nice. Um, man, I just I've opened for a slew of comedians. Uh, who else? Uh, Mark Marin in Sacramento. Of the WTF podcast, yeah. Um, How'd that go? Uh, that was he was really cool. He he has a gruff exterior, yeah, but is a very nice dude. Yeah. Um. The funny thing is, the Sacramento punchline has a guitar center across the street from it. Oh, and so every he comedian was over there. who headlines because there's nothing new in Sacramento. <laughs> every comic who headlines punchline Sacramento just ends up going to the guitar center. <laughs> so like every time you you open for someone, they're like, yeah, I hung out the. Guitar Center today. It's like, oh yeah, everyone who comes here does that. Yeah. That's the only thing to do. Oh. I, I, yeah, I have a secret that I have to tell Mark Marin sometime. Sure, but I don't know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a nice thing. Uh, but I, and I, I just I, 
I can't tell. I don't know why I'm bringing it up now. <laughs> DM him. <on laughs> yeah, Twitter. maybe I will. Oh, you can't reveal the secret on air. No, I can't. Okay. I can't really talk about wow, it. Wow, juicy. But, uh, well, we I, yeah. know one day. Should should listeners continue? I, I mean, if he ever brings it up, I, I don't think I don't think he will. Okay. It's anyhow. Oh, it's, I like uh, this. I like yeah. this nugget. It's like I, I I tried to get him on the show once, and he was like, "Oh, why would I do that?" You know, and I understand. Sure, okay, sure, okay, sure, all right. Yeah. Uh, um, just because it's something to do. Yeah. But <laughs> if you're in town. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know we'd have a good time, and plus. I know this other thing, and I'd love to tell you about it, oh. but I can't do it. And anyhow. Right. Um, and then here I am. I'm filling in for Mark You're Maron. filling in for this. Mark Maron. That's the secret. That's the secret. <laughs> <laughs> You've been in this whole time. Yes. You really, uh, I th- feel like Jane Fonda was uh, flustered you a little bit. <laughs> yeah, she did. <laughs> and uh, so then you decided to move to New York seven yeah. years ago. Is that what you said? Yeah, I moved in 2012. So by the time we moved out here, my wife got into NYU. She had finished um, her undergrad, and she wanted to become a nurse. Uh, so she applied to NYU, got in, and we're like, all right, we're 24. Let's move to New York. And I want to do comedy there. Yeah. I always had wanted to. All my favorite comedians come from New York, you know? So we did it. We just <laughs> we literally did the, the classic tale of moving to New York into a shitty apartment with one suitcase and just found furniture on the street. That first year was horrible. Yeah. Um, but we made it, you Be know. Be careful with the stuff on the street. Oh, we learned that the hard way. We definitely really? got bugs. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> we had to throw away all of our clothes. It was terrible. But you know that that's going to happen. Why'd you do it? It's just like <laughs> we look back at how naive we were. We were 24. We didn't yeah. buy. We didn't know that you had to buy an AC unit for the window. Uh huh. We're so West Coast. We you know, like in the West Coast, it's just people don't understand how much of a different lifestyle it is. You don't walk anywhere. Yeah. Everyone has a car. Apartments either don't have air conditioning because you don't need it because it doesn't get as humid yep. as it does here, or the AC is just pre-installed. Right. But we didn't know that you had to go to Best Buy or wherever and haul <laughs> an AC unit from Midtown back to the store on the train. And it, you know, Pray it doesn't <laughs> drop out as you exactly. put it in the oh, window. Oh, man, yeah, that was a fear. Um, we just were really naive. We didn't, we didn't have winter coats or boots. Our sneakers got so that first winter was um uh Hurricane Sandy oh. and then the blizzard. Yeah. And we were like, What the hell are we doing here? <laughs> it was we didn't know anyone. It was really rough. It was a rough first year for sure. Was there not a book or anything you could have turned to? <laughs> there probably was. We we I just feel like when you're that age, you just think like, yeah, I'll figure it out. Now, if I moved to New York for the first time, yes, I would do so much uh, groundwork. Uh, I would do my due diligence for sure. I mean, like if you had moved to New York in the 50s. <laughs> it sounds like we just <laughs> came on the boat through Ellis Island, I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, okay. No, but you're, you're young. You don't know these no, things. Yeah. That's true. That's and it's true. funny how we just survived without an air conditioner for that first summer. Yeah. And just, yeah, it was... Uh, it's one of those things, though. It's a badge of honor, right? Yeah. Like, now, when people come to visit us, or people tell us, oh, I could never live in New York, it's like a point of pride, like, oh, you we've been it. here for almost 10 years, <laughs> like, we're New Yorkers yeah, now, you know? Believe me. <laughs> you can really go to the bottom. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I imagine, you know, it, I moved uh, from Los Angeles here, right? Uh, and... I was originally from the East Coast, so it wasn't like a foreign territory mm. to me. But but it took me a few years to get the right gear. Yeah. To get the right coat and the right this, and now I have all the different variations. In the West Coast, <laughs> you kind of just need, like, warm and chilly. I tell you, if you get a vest, you're good. 
You get a nice scarf. Yeah. You're okay. And you, you can, can take just it throw off. it in the car. Throw it in the car. New York, you need like several different like we're getting into a point now like today's like 55. Yeah. Where you kind of need a coat in, yeah. or a jacket in the morning and then it gets warmer and like yeah, you need so many different um, Or if you're in a podcast studio that's warm. Yeah, now I'm in a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yes. we have water everywhere. <laughs> got to stay hydrated you for got, the pod. You got to. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, you do need gear in yes. New York. Yeah. Definitely. Much more so than other places. Uh now I um so now that you've got that behind you, do you feel like that was the biggest struggle? Yeah, that first year Just in New York. figuring it out. Figuring it out. And then also, like, so I feel like everyone who moves to New York is, like, the best comedian from their hometown, right? So yes. it's just like a – it's just you're the biggest shark in a sea full of fish and minnows, <laughs> and then you move, and it's all sharks, yeah. and you're the littlest shark, right? <laughs> and and you, maybe you've got, like, a, a limp uh, fin, yep. and, you know, no you're like, dorsal. oh, I'm not very good. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, the, I'm not the deadliest shark in the sea. So, yeah, it's just, like, acclimating to um, public transportation, acclimating to just – you live on top of each other constantly, right? Yes. Just it's just a brand new uh, way of living, and then the comedy scene is everyone's so good, and it just you're just forced to get better, and you start at the bottom all over again. I I was so naive. I thought like, oh, I'm like, you know, I'm passing every club in Northern California. I'll just be able to like get past the clubs in New York right away. It'll be great. It'll be so easy, and then. You realize, like, oh, I'm starting over. You know? <laughs> yeah. so. None of that work matters. No, no, no. Of course it does because you're a better comedian going yes. in than you would have been if you're starting out. For sure. But, sure, the system resets. Yes. Yeah. And no one knows who you are, so it's, <clears> oh, <throat> yeah. Right. <laughs> and so what was the circle that you found yourself in uh, among the comedy clubs? Was it more, uh, you know, there's the Creek, there's the Stand New York, there's whatever, all the yeah. other ones. Yeah, uh, the cellar. place I really settled into was this place called Beauty Bar. It was an open mic. Oh, yeah. And, uh, like, it was a, an eclectic group where you would have, like, the Mark Normans and the uh, Sean Donnellys of the world and the Aparna Nunchurlis. Like, they would drop in yeah. uh, and run new stuff. Or, like, I'd seen them practice stuff that they were going to do on Conan. And then you have, like, young comics like me who are new to the city. So it was, like, a really cool melting pot of, like, headliners people in the middle, people at the very beginning of the careers, and all mixed in and hanging out. And it was a really good mic where there would be an actual audience. Most open mics are just other comics. Yeah. And this place... A notoriously great audience. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> just the, the best people to perform in front of, totally. That's right. Um, and it was just this really cool place. And then eventually I became one of the hosts there. And it was just like a great place to meet people and kind of get plugged into the new york comedy scene yeah um, so that's just a place i really um hold dearly because it was like one of the first places i did comedy in new york as well and then there was this terrible mic uh at karma lounge which is like <laughs> one of the last few places in new york where you can still smoke cigarettes <laughs> inside so i think everyone who's performing there like has some sort of lung infection now because of it but it was just one of these places where it was like you're in the trenches with other comedians, and I became friends with a lot of comedians there because it was so – I mean, the floors were rotted out. Mm. The roof was leaking, and then there's people smoking cigarettes inside, and we're like, this is the worst. Yeah. But I feel like if you could do well in this room, like, you become a really strong comic. So, that, like, those two places are the places I really think fondly of. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it uh, 
toughens you up. Yeah, I think to, to so. To be in a yeah. terrible environment. Yeah. <laughs> it's also like the funny thing is comics were so dramatic about this stuff. But it's like if you're a soldier, you have no choice of where you're deployed. Like I was choosing to go to these places. Like I could have stopped at any time. But you think like, oh, I'm being so tough going here. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, speaking of that, are there things that you do? Because it's kind of my bailiwick. Uh, do you do you do any kind of self care? Do you have any crystal pouches? Are you doing oh. meditation? Are you able to make sure that your mind is in a good place when you go into some of these uh, environments? Yeah, I. So I, I generally, comedy is my, um, like it's my safe place. I, I always feel more comfortable on stage than I do in real life. You know, I have a lot of anxiety and depression. I'm, I'm on medication, right? So in real life. I have a lot of those feelings, but when I'm on stage, that's when I feel safe and at home. So I think that's like my wife can tell if I haven't done stand up in a while because I'll get antsy. But if I get a set, then I'll, that resets my mood. I'm like, okay, I feel okay now. Like, so that's kind of my self care is just like going up on stage, even if it's like not the best show or the best room. It just, I like the act of like going up, holding a microphone, just talking for a little bit and then like okay i got to do my thing that was cool and that resets me and then you know i am getting more into like crystals yeah and uh learning about that and astrology i got really into astrology oh tarot cards and yeah my friend just got me into numerology hell yeah so those are things that I, i think like you know i'm not a religious person but those things kind of reaffirm thoughts that i have about myself it's like okay this is cool like i'm on the right path yeah so it's not like i think a lot of people make fun of astrology because it is kind of like oh it's like you know it feels um mystical or made up but you know i don't take it so much as like fact but it's like oh i'm trying to do this thing and my co-star app today said like hey just keep going you know like you know yeah Reaffirming I've, stuff. Well, you won't find any uh, uh, judgments about it here. I'm fully on board. Yes. And to me, it just feels like it's slightly grounding. Yes. Like you just have something in the ground that's yours that uh, you can, like, I wake up and I see the crystals and I think, okay, yeah. you're all doing your best. I'll do my best. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to get more into the crystal stuff because I do feel like there's something to that. You might as well have them around. Yeah. Why not? It doesn't hurt, right? It doesn't hurt. Right. It doesn't hurt. And I found a place out in, uh, between Phoenix and Palm Springs where all the rocks come from. Ah. <laughs> so don't spend a lot of money on them. Go out to Gem World okay. out there across from the jerky place because you'll get them <laughs> for a dollar a pound or something. Wow. And it's it's it was shocking. Jerky and gems. <laughs> jerky and gems, man. <laughs> If you want to get out there. No better combination. And, and what's the sign? What's your sign? I'm an Aries. Interesting. Yeah. Inter- you have a kind of goat I do. Yeah, on this your is shirt. Glenn Hansard. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> the musician behind the musical Once. Yes. And he's a folk music. I'm a big fan of his. And yeah, he his logo is a goat. Yeah. yeah. I guess Aries, Ram, but yeah, uh, suggested it. And uh, that's I'm always intrigued by the Aries. Really? Yeah. I haven't yeah. had too many of them in my circle oh. until recently. A lot of comedians I know are Aries. Yeah. Um, and it, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, a little hard-headedness. Lo- oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's the, for me, it's just like the, uh, so much of comedy is, intro business is rejection. Yeah. But the thing is like just 
barreling through and like thinking like, no, it's going to work out. It'll work out. It's like almost uh, you have to be delusional in a way. Like, no, I'll, I'll, I'll make it. It'll be good. It'll yep. work out. You know, so it's uh, telling yourself that a lot. <laughs> well, it seems like you're making it okay. A little Brian. bit. Yeah I, yeah, I feel like you just have to keep going, keep ramming up against it. That's right. Uh, keep your horns sharp and Whittling polished. Away. Yeah, yeah, or rounded or however those horns work. Um, and you have some shows coming up. You have a podcast too? I do. It's It should be coming out um, in a couple of weeks. Called It's called What's Eating You. What's Eating You? Well, that sounds like the thing that sticks in your craw. That's right, yeah. yeah. Is it about food? It's about food. My <laughs> co-host Ariel Leady, also a very funny comedian, We we just talk about food. Food news and food news, yeah, food that we like <laughs> and like how it uh, integrates into culture. The the yeah. big thesis of it was that I read this article by Helen Rosner, who's this food yes. writer, the New Yorker. Yes, yeah. correct. She wrote yeah. this thing about how Trump eats terrible food and how that informs him as a president and as a human being. Yes, and I thought that was so interesting, like how food kind of does reflect your personality. So we wanted to explore that. Interesting. So when we interview people, we talk about like, hey, what kind of foods are you into? And I have found like foodie culture and comedy culture has become kind of intertwined yep. recently. Um, if you watch David Chang's show on Netflix, he'll he'll have comedians on all yeah. the time. And so, yeah, that's really Patton Oswalt was really up at the head of that. He's a big foodie guy. Big oh, foodie yeah. guy. Yes, Made it like a thing. Yeah, he loves to have like nice meals. That's his thing. Yeah, and he played Remy the Rat. <laughs> yeah, the best food movie I've seen, Ratatouille. <laughs> That's right. That and Big Night. Oh, I haven't seen Big Night. You have to see Big okay, Night. Okay, I will see that. Yeah, before you start Food News. Okay. I mean, what's eating you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh no, Food News is a better title. You're right. It's catchier. <laughs> Gets right to the point. And also, you should uh, see some of the menu items in Iceland. Try and oh. figure out how that determines somebody or not. <laughs> yeah. No, we had good food. Anyhow, okay. uh, it was good over there. So that'll come out in a couple of weeks. Yeah. You got some shows? Um, I'll be in L.A. Um, starting Thursday. Wow. At the Ha Ha Comedy Club. Oh, so if so the good. listeners are out there. Yeah. You can catch me. I think all the shows are like 8 o'clock Thursday through Saturday. But everything's listed on your website? Everything's on the website. Everything right. I'll post on Twitter and Instagram so people can check it out. That's great. Well, yeah. Brian, this has been really fun having you here. I have had a joy <laughs> on this podcast. Oh, Good. Well, uh, safe travels, and thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Well, there you have it. What a great time talking with Brian Yang. Be sure to look him up when you can to go see him live or watch for his name to pop up somewhere, as I'm sure it will. Personalized reading this week goes out to Miguel Alonso of Davenport Springs, New Mexico. You're the biggest shark in a sea full of fish and minnows and then you move and it's all sharks yeah. and you're the littlest shark right <laughs> and maybe you've got like a, a limp uh fin yep. and you know no you're like dorsal. oh i'm not very good <laughs> yeah i'm not the i'm not the deadliest shark in the sea lucky numbers this week are five which is the number of sweaters i have left after marie condoing my sweater chest down from 342 which i think is a positive step in the right direction spring cleaning friends it's all the rage And now remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. 
Deep Night with Dale is independently produced by James Bewley. He's gotten used to answering to the name Dale when people see him. Season 11 podcast icon by Candace Brorsma. Season 11 podcast theme by Zach Gabbard. Music heard throughout the show by the talented roster at Howler Hills Farm in Ohio. Season 11 poster artwork contributed by illustrators Catherine Lamb, Maria Wen, Scott Balmer, Ronald Horn Industries, and Laurent Rybick. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this show on Apple Podcasts. Even if you listen on some other fine platform, zip over there and leave us a couple of stars. Uh, the show is weekly with live events every other month at the Slipper Room in Manhattan on the Lower East Side. Thank you for listening and for your kind support. Now with Gaia's blessings, let's seal the portal. <laughs>